Welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I'm your host for today. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and real estate entrepreneurs. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast that has two purposes. Purpose number one, Chris, to spotlight you, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. Purpose number two, in a forum, our audience and listeners. With that, we have a very special guest. I'm excited. This is one of my, um, I'm excited about this episode because I learned all about this new real estate strategy in a way through Chris. So with that, I'm going to read his bio. Chris Prefontaine is a three-time best-selling author of Real Estate on Your Terms, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, and Monika Sawyer's Real Estate Investing for Women. He's also the founder and CEO of Smart Real Estate Coach, com and host of the Smart Real Estate Coach podcast. Chris has been in real estate for over 30 years. His experience ranges from constructing new homes in the 1990s and owning a realty executive franchise to running his own investments, commercial and residential, and coaching clients throughout North America. After the crash of 2008, Chris re-engineered his entire business to weather all storms and economic cycles. Understanding these challenges, he helps students navigate the constantly changing real estate waters. Today, Chris runs his own buying and selling businesses with his family team, which purchases two to five properties monthly, so they're in the trenches every single week. They also help their students do the exact same thing all across North America, working together on another 25 to 30 properties every month. Chris, I'm excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Lois. Pleasure to be here, my friend. Hopefully we can impart some uh, some good nuggets for everybody in our chat. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. And so with that, Chris, I always like people to give us a little bit about their story. And I've heard your story a couple of times. Could you tell us how you got involved in real estate? Like take us high high level overview and talk about how you got into real estate. Yeah, I got to do high level because 31 years, you and I would be sitting here for a little bit. So yeah. Uh, yeah, 91, I started building homes on uh, spot single lots uh, on terms. We didn't even close on them until we built the home and had it sold. Uh, after that, I did the realty executives that you alluded to, sold that to Coldwell Banker. And then I started coaching agents throughout US and Canada. But that led to the lovely debacle of 08, which is where you were in the bio there. So um, when I came out of that, Lewis, it was more of should I even be in real estate? You know, that, that's how beat up. Should I even stay, stick around? So we developed sort of the rules and the rules for us were no bank financing, no taking out loans, no using your own cash. And the reason was real simple back then. I like it now in hindsight, but back then it was, I didn't have credit and have cash after that. And so that's why, why and how we built it. And then I came to really enjoy that because going to sleep at night, being on no loans versus being personally on loans is a big difference mentally. And so we control at any, at any time, you know, 80 million or so in real estate and we're not on any loans personally. That's a big difference. So that's how we operate now. And then we help students do the same. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Could you share the, uh, like the mental mindset versus uh, banks versus no banks? Could you tell us what that's like for you and maybe for some other people? Banks versus no banks? Yeah. Well, real simple. Uh, I, I'll always tell a story to answer it so it's real and not theory. Uh, after the crash, the banks came, I had say 20 or so properties, 80% of those, um, the banks came looking. What are they gonna do? They have a job to do, right? They gotta foreclose or work something out with you when values go down in some markets to me, two thirds went down. 
So there was no renegotiating. I had no leverage to do that. So when you're on personally on anything, I don't care if you're personal residence, when you're on personally on anything, you're pledging all your personal assets. You're putting you and or you and your family at risk. And I just tell people, don't do it. I had good credit. So I thought that's what you do. Um, in hindsight, no, it was stupid. We do not ever do that now. The only exception, Lewis, that I would say, uh, Jerome, sorry, that I would say is if you, you got a personal residence and you've got an area you got to be in for the family and you just can't find anything creative financing wise or terms, okay, make the exception for yourself personally, but keep the debt to equity very low. That's all. Okay. So you, like, this is a, like, one of the things that I really like to focus on a lot is like marketing, right? And the reason why I like to focus on marketing is because I got in this business and I realized that people are teaching like all these theories and all these concepts. And it's like, all right, well, where do I apply these theories? Where do I apply these concepts? So uh, first I would like to you to tell us what terms is, and then I want you to go into like how we, how we find these deals. How's that sure. sound? Yeah, that sounds awesome. So terms, I, you know, the book we wrote, I wrote originally, and my son and son-in-law joined me, is real estate on your terms. It means a few things, but what terms means to us is simply creative real estate. And that means we're going to buy lease purchase, owner financing, or subject to existing financing. That's it. Those are three ways we buy, always. Um, I like always in any market to lean towards subject to existing financing and owner financing, because I, I tend to get much longer terms and I don't really care what storms go on in the middle. You know, the, the market changes like we're going through right now. So that's what terms means to us. As far as how we locate people, that is the biggest question we get because people say, well, how do you convince the seller to do that? Uh, I'll tell you where we get the leads and I'll tell you why it's not any convincing. We get the leads from a lot of places, realtors would or other investors would. It's just we're offering something different. We get them from for sale by owner. We get them from expired listings. They didn't sell on the, on the market of the realtor. And we get them for from for rent by owner. Those are the three main sources. So if you take a 50 mile radius around your particular area with any one of our students, there's usually plenty of deals within that with those three sources. If there are not, or if someone's more aggressive and wants more leads, then we will dig deeper to things like two of my favorite uh, free and clear properties, no mortgage on them, and out of state owners. Love them both. I love the free and clear because they have flexibility and they don't need the money or they would have already done it and a refi or something. And I love the out of state because especially post COVID, there's a lot of people selling with that, with that now. And you couple that with the high interest rates and you got some huge demand going on there. So there's other niche list, but that's our main five. Okay. And so when you were talking, you mentioned like three main strategies that use, I remember sub two, lease option, and then like owner finance. Could you give us, uh, of course, we only got like a few minutes give us a high level overview of each strategy sub two yeah. lease option and owner finance yeah so i'll start with lease purchase only because that's the simplest for someone brand new because I, we literally have ten dollars built into our agreement that's how much it costs you to tie a property up and control it and all you're doing is uh the owner's underlying debt usually they have debt on these lease purchases you're going to be paying that payment and taking over responsibility for the house you're going to be on title too we cloud title so you have equitable interest in the property as a lease purchase agreement uh, buyer uh, we turn around and do a rent to own to exit we'll talk about that later but you're going to tie that up with a lease purchase contract uh, our last student brian out in illinois did like eight of these in a row because they're ten dollars to, to do it and he created what we call three paydays worth gosh over 800 grand i mean that's pretty cool he's brand new um, owner financing for us because that's a broad term Jerome means we're going to target free and clear properties. There's other ways to do on financing, but we're going to target free and clear properties. About a third of the properties in the U.S. are free and clear. Some markets higher, some lower. 
And so we're going to structure a deal with the seller. So they step into the shoes like a bank would. We're making payments to them. There is no bank financing involved. I bought my office building. I'm not sitting in it today. I'm at home, but I bought my office building that's five miles down the road with owner financing. It was free and clear. And he preferred to do that because he didn't want the tax and the estate planning rep repercussions of uh, an outright sale. So they just become the bank. I mail checks to his family every month and have for five years. The last one is subject to existing financing. Unlike owner financing free and clear, where they're presumably in great financial shape, right? They're free and clear. So that's not a problem to solve. That's a goal to help them accomplish. The subject to is usually the opposite. It's usually someone that says, I'll stay in my house. Subject to means my loan staying in my name and you can still buy my house. That usually uh, tells me that they're in financial you know, stress, unlike the free and clear. And so that's usually what we get, divorce, uh, death, um, COVID, you know, all kinds of challenges. They just can't hold on to the property. And so they'll sell it to us. The loan stays in their name until someday I cash it out. That is those two strategies. The last two are my favorite. And they're more lucrative. Thank you for sharing that. I often hear people say, is it you can't do that? That's illegal, stuff like that. And there is yeah. ramifications to each state. But the one that comes up most often is the subject to strategy. Yeah. Some people think it's I forget what it's called, like assuming a loan and stuff like that. Could you could you speak to that? Yeah. I'll, I'll just two things. And you can tell me if you want to go deeper. Um, and obviously, I'm not an attorney or an accountant. But from my experience, here's the deal. I had a senior attorney in this in this area who I'm actually did, did deals with who had to tell, I won't say convince, had to educate his junior attorney who does our deals. No, subject to is fine. Subject to just means it's a contractual issue, not a legal issue between bank and seller. That's it. It's nothing to do with legalities. It's a contract they have. And with the way we have our agreements, they can sign off that they understand the repercussions of that. It stays in their name. Could the bank call the loan in theory? Yes. Are there ways to protect against that? Yes. Are there ways to insure that nowadays? Yes. There's all kinds of things we can do and that we do. We've never had a problem ever in 31 years with the sub two purchase. Um, as far as you asked me a tier two of that, what was it? Um, with sub two. Assumables. Oh yeah. So yeah. So some people think it's assumable. Assumable means you're applying for a loan and you're <laughs> the thing I said, don't do. And you're going to, and you're going to step into their shoes and they're coming off the loan. No, that's not what we're doing. You literally are purchasing that property. The loan is staying in their name. There's ways to title it and other things you can and should do with your attorney that our attorney understands how to do that will protect you. But it is pretty cool because you're relieving their debt. Like these people usually need your help. You're being a savior there. You're being a guide and you're winning too because in our deals, we go out and we create what we trademark to be those three paydays I talked about. Well, that that's pretty neat. You can have that probably for 30 years or three if you want. It's up to you. Thank you for sharing that. You speak with a lot of passion when it comes to um, like getting a loan. And I've heard that passion come from another person as well, like Ryan LeGrand. Could you take us through that path on why um, you, you turned this into an entire business? Can you tell us why you've turned that into an entire business? And I want to take a deep dive yeah. and learn how we can get involved. Well, I, I'll, I'll do I'll go from the beginning, but I'll do it in, in big high level. So in okay. 2012, um, it took me four years to get out of my own way mentally through I'm like eight was the crash February of 08. I remember it in February of 12. I said, I gotta get my act together. Like I was beating myself up mentally. So once I got past that, I wish it was earlier. Then I said, all right, they, I looked back and said, all the headaches I had, all the stress I had was all bank related, 100% bank related because I signed personally, like it was nothing. Hey, I signed this, get a loan. You know, there's the no doc loans back then. And now they're starting to come back and it's a scary thing. 
So we just don't do it anymore. Uh, it's not worth the headache. When I, here's an example. Let's say I own your house. I, sorry, I bought your house, owner financing or sub two. And the market crashes or I need an extension or something has to be renegotiated. I have leverage. You don't want your house back. And I owe you money on that. Or I owe you the bank that sits in your name money on that. I have complete leverage on that in a good way. If I take out a loan with the bank, and which happened in 08, and the, and the market crashes, or the bank frankly decides, you know what? We're not going to give you this line of credit anymore. We're calling it. They can do that on their own. And they do that. And guess what? You sign personally. Your house, your cars, your, your pay if you have any, your business if you have, they have access to that. That's insane and shouldn't be done. I, it just the, doesn't have to be done. My, my uh, daughter and son-in-law bought their first home on lease purchase. And so they never had to go to a bank. So you want to think about that before you make that decision and think like, learn how to do it and learn that skill set for life. Thank you for sharing that. Could you tell us um, kind of a little bit deeper why you, so you're taking what you learned, right? Yeah. And now you have like a business and you have students. Can you tell us why you decided to go that route? Yeah, good question. Two things happened. One, a gentleman uh, about two years into doing real estate local here, we, we lived near a war college here in Newport, Rhode Island. He was leaving um, military life. He had gone to Afghanistan three times. And his name was Kevin. And Kevin said, look, I'm going back to civilian life. I've had enough. Can you teach me what you do? He heard about me locally. So I started teaching him and I started really getting into it because I realized it was sharpening my sword, like to, to be one step ahead of him always and to, to be scripted always and to help him. And so I really got a, a high off of that. And you don't know it till you do it. You really don't, how valuable it is and how cool it is because it keeps you at the best of your game. Well, after that, someone asked me to put together what I do in a, in a little ebook. We called it Eat That Sandwich. I was only doing sandwich leases then. And we did that uh, to a mailing list of about, I don't know, three or 400 people. And the demand was huge. So it just started growing organically on its own. And then we had the idea to start doing deals with people because I saw in real estate, still to this day, sadly, that people buy programs and it sounds great. And then they go out and try to operate in the field and they go, oh, well, why didn't all these curveballs that come at me? So we said, all right, well, what if we held hands and locked arms with people and showed them how to get through those curveballs? And so that's how it just kind of evolved. And, and now we've got about 140 people like that. We call them associates all across North America who are doing deals and revenue sharing and learning with us. I think interactive learning is the best. And, and, and the last thing I'll say about this is the other thing I, I just got annoyed when I started studying, getting back into it, that there was like a gap. I call it bridging the gap. And it was too big. And that gap is the time from when someone takes a course to when they do a deal. And unfortunately, as you know, some people never get out of that gap. And so our mission still to this day is to help people do deals versus, hey, let's go sell them something. Big difference. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, you had one of the better programs that I saw when you came and spoke for our local RIA here. And I was like, OK, this this is great. And I actually I have a friend. And he was like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. Like people go out there and they spend all this money to do all these deals. And it's like, OK, you spending all that money and you. You might not didn't have to do it that way. And yeah. one of, like I was talking about Ron LeGrand a little bit earlier, I'd never seen anybody like simplify and explain information that simply like, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And this is why you do it. It was so simple. And I can tell that you, you know, you have some influence by Ron yourself. With that, we just talked about the, uh, you turned it into a business. So I want to know, um, does a person like, one of the things that we say is like, Real estate is not a full-time business. It depends on what angle that you come in, right? So as an agent, it could be a full-time business. As a fix and flipper, it could be a full-time business. So I pose to you the question, like, 
Does this strategy, do you have to be full time to apply this strategy? No, you don't have to be. I, again, I'll answer with reality. Reality is we have about 98, not quite 100% of our students come in, have a J-O-B. And one of our major uh, sort of taglines is we're helping people escape their W-2. It's been our theme for the last several events. Um, so most of the people in our community, Jerome, um, that are killing it success-wise have been from very successful six figures, sometimes high five, but mostly six-figure W-2s. And they said, okay, I'm buried. I hate that life or I hate getting on planes, which is Brian's case. Tell me how to do this. So sketch a plan out for me. So I, we know the metrics now, right? It takes X amount of calls to get an appointment. It takes X amount of appointments to get a deal. It takes X amount of deals to get a check in hand or three paydays in hand. So we sketch it out for them. And as long as they're open to being accountable and understand the choices that have to be made, we'll get them out of the W-2 in due time. So that ranges from nine months to two years typically. But you don't have to be full-time right away if you don't want to. Of course not. Look, these deals, so, sorry, but these deals range from 45000 to 250000 all three paydays. Some some people keep their J-O-B and go, yeah, this is great. I'll do like three a year. I'm happy. So, so whatever they want, we can mold. Thank you. You share, like I'm, I'm telling you, this is like one of the most practical strategies that I've saw because every other strategy tells you, go quit your job and go full time and it's like not really super practical from what I see and to be honest the, the way I got into the industry was not exactly that but it was similar like I was like you know what I'm going to do this smart I'm going to invest a little little at a time a little at a time and then yeah. when I'm ready to go full time I'll go full time so uh you just told like you're saying that on average right you got the numbers you got the data you got the students it takes nine to two years to go full time yeah, typically. Yeah, like I can give example after example. We've got we've got a couple dozen people out of that hundred something that already escaped their job and we started focusing more on it. it. It was the focal point for everybody. Now it's just becoming the norm. You know, it's like the four minute mile. They all they all want to beat the next person now. How quick got they you. Can do it. Makes sense. How would you compare this type of real estate investing to flipping, rehabbing, wholesaling, and even like apartment investing? Yeah. I look, I'm not I've been at this thirty one years. I have phenomenal friends on my podcast that do all those. So I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing anyone's niche, right? But here's reality is this. When I came out, one of the things besides no bank financing, I, I said I would never do is do a deal for a paycheck and then have to do another deal. That's transactional. I had that as a realtor in the nineties. I don't, I did not like it. It was a treadmill. So I said, we're going to create the three paydays. The way we exit our deals, there are three paydays. There's money now, there's money monthly, and there's money two, three, four, five, 20 years from now. So that's number one. Um, Number two, if you look at um, the competitive piece of this, every since HGTV, maybe whatever the reason is, there's a lot of people flipping. There's a lot of uh, demand on that right now. And now with the market change, guess what? You've got large communities of flippers, very large. We've struck some huge strategic alliances coming to us going, how can you train our community? Because they don't know how to do creative real estate. Creative real estate has been around since 1600s, Jerome. This is not new. We just wrapped a system around it and trademarked some really cool proven things, but it's not new. So this is, in my opinion, the, the niche that lives while others come in and out. Um, the wholesale market right now, wholesaling. Tough because the model where the bigger companies were gobbling up some of these bigger uh, companies' uh, profit uh, uh, properties, they're not doing that anymore because they can't go out and, and flip it that quick. Uh, you know, the iBuyers and things like that. So a lot of the wholesalers, just like the flippers, hundreds of them, are coming our way going, I got to learn what you guys are doing because it kind of weathers the storm. Um, is it easy in all markets? No. But can you operate creative real estate in every market up, down or sideways? Yes. 
Is it getting better and easier now with this market change? Yes, we are in huge demand right now. Thank you. So the next question I have for you, everybody asks this question and um, I think it's a valid question, but I think it's kind of, uh, I'm just going to ask it. So it's now a good time to invest in real estate. And can you tell us about your predictions of the market being through a crash like you've been through in 2008? Yeah. Uh, the second piece is now a good time is easy. Yes. But let me say why. Because the second piece predictions, I, you know, you and I, we could say all we want about our predictions, but the billionaires don't know, right? We don't know. But okay. what I right. know is if you, I know one thing, if a constant in real estate is it's constantly changing. That, that we know, everybody can agree on that. So if we know that, why not learn how to pivot in every market, therefore making every market a suitable market for you? And, and creative real estate does that. Whereas the other niches I, I talked about, you're coming in and out, in and out, in and out, and you're trying to time things. I, I just would rather not deal with that. Um, Prediction-wise, honestly don't know, Jerome. What I do know is when the rates started going up and everybody was panicking, and my wife and our team said, well, what do you think? What's going what's gonna to happen? We gonna be, we're going to be busier. The properties doubled or tripled what we're putting on a contract now. Why? Because buyers all of a sudden got pushed aside, right? Sadly, they were paying 3%. It went to seven. They Hundreds of thousands of buyers got pushed out of the market, they think. But they can now buy through creative financing. And then what did that do to sellers? They're panicking now. So all of a sudden, we're getting calls from people who one year ago were saying, no, I'm all set. I'm going to sell it for way above market. The demand is enormous right now for creative real estate. Thank you for sharing that. So upon doing like some research and you spoke for us one time, you always mentioned the three paydays. I, I realized, right? I researched that you trademarked that. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So three paydays act like this. We exit a lot of our deals time-wise today. I'll say we exit most of our deals on rent home. Very specifically though, you and I both know some people that do this differently. Very specifically, we set the buyers up to win. We are very strict at the beginning of the underwriting process so that we are setting them up to go get a mortgage. Whereas some people will teach publicly. Nah, it doesn't matter if they get qualified. If they don't buy it, you get another buyer. Morally and ethically, I just can't sit with that. So our community is all the same. They all want to help the buyers. And so the three paydays are one, buyer comes in with a down payment. Why? Because they are a true buyer, not a renter, a true buyer that wants to get a loan eventually. They just need time. And I'll, I'll pause there on payday one for a second. Right now, there is about a 200,000% increase uh, since COVID of people wanting to leave their job, depending on what stat you pull. It's a big number. So if that's the case, guess what? A lot of them don't realize they can't get financing for two years. The bank needs two years of seasoning, they call it. So all those buyers with cash in hand coming from a six-figure job can now be your buyer. So now you have a down payment that's payday one. Payday two is the delta between what I'm paying the seller or their underlying debt and what I'm collecting from my buyer waiting to get financing. And that delta for us ranges from 300 to 1,000 depending on what market, per month per house. And then the payday three is really cool. The payday three is any markup in the property I, I gave when I structured it with the buyer, but also the powerful piece is the longer the term, the better, because I'm getting all, not some, all of the principal pay down throughout the term of this deal. No matter how I bought it, I'm benefiting from the principal pay down. So we have a house we just closed out, Jerome, example. I bought it for 183000 Now get this, 183. When we closed it out about three weeks ago, because it was all principal pay down, we our profit was about one hundred and sixteen grand. We bought it for 183. 116000 all three paydays. That's pretty cool. It's very powerful, this principal pay down piece of this. Thank you. So during your bio and some of your storytelling, you mentioned like you used to be an agent. 
and I serve like a lot of agents, you know, I try to become an agent myself. I'm still licensed, right? I still have a license. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This agent lifestyle, I don't know if I like this, right? I started as an investor and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get my license and help some other people. And it was not what I signed up for. I was like, you know what? No, thank you. I'm good on that. Uh, But one of the things that I'm realizing is that not a lot of agents invest, let alone try something like this. So um, you already told us your story a little bit. How can an agent become more open to this? And remember, this podcast is about like you, as well as the audience, you have product, you have services, you have books, you have all kinds of stuff. So can you take me through, like, how can I start to learn how to accumulate some of this wealth myself and get off that rat wheel, that rat race yep. of buy, sell, buy, sell one deal. Then you got to go find another one. One deal. Then you got to find another one. Could you expound upon that, please? Yeah. And I feel the pain only because when I, at the peak, my last two years before selling to Coal Bank, we were doing hundred homes a year. It wasn't like it was a small brokerage. It was good. But every January, I go, oh, man, I got to do this again. So if I knew what I know now, which would mean every seller that I couldn't help, they just didn't want to pay a realtor, or they couldn't afford it, or they didn't want to do a short sale, or they, I couldn't sell it. You know, some of you just can't sell. All of those properties I could have looked at as purchasing under ter- uh, creative real estate terms. All of them almost. So I missed a boat on a lot of that. I also missed a boat on not being able to create three paydays instead of the one, the one pay per deal. So a realtor just has to think once they learn it, I'll tell you how to learn it, but they just have to think anything that doesn't fit in their box. Now it doesn't mean abandon what you're doing. I did. I resigned my license, but you don't have to. Anything that doesn't fit in your realtor box. You, you have a chance to buy it morally and ethically. You can look the seller in the eye and say, all right, Jerome, let me look at your situation and let me tell you what's best for you. Cause I can either sell it as an agent or I might be able to buy it. Let, let's look at your whole thing. And so you think, I think you've gained so much trust there being the expert and the authority in your marketplace. And that'll spread like wildfire. You will have more deals than you can handle. Second way of dealing with it as a realtor, if you don't want to deal with that is find someone like us in your market. We have associates all over the country and just refer it to them. We have realtors like there's one in Connecticut deal. He refers us four to six deals a year. He just doesn't want to learn it. So he sends it to us and we pay him up to 20% of our, of our payday one. That's lucrative for him. It's like an annuity. So there's two ways of doing that. And then as far as learning it, I, we're big on free, Jerome. I said earlier, I, it's not about selling something. It's about doing deals. So I'm big on free so that people say, all right, this is a niche I want to chase. Now it's time to dig it. But until then, do your free due diligence. We have a link for your, for your tribe, for your listeners, that they get the best selling books. They'll get it for free. They won't have to put in shipping. It's a hard copy. It's not electronic. We're shipping that out. I can give you that link now or later. You, you let me know, but it's for free. I want people to go look at this stuff and get it for free. So that you can learn on YouTube. We have 150 deals on that. Like literally look at all our deals. We post them up there. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that. That's free. Yeah. Uh, and I have the links from uh, one of your team members on Great. a lot of the stuff. I'll make sure I include it in the show notes. Do you have, Great. can you tell us what, what we should do to get that free book? Yeah. Go to uh, wickedsmartbooks.com, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Jerome. That's it. So okay. I know it came from your show. They're going to get um, actually a couple books. It might be some goodies in there. And again, it's not one of those offers where it goes, get my free book. And by the way, put your credit card in for shipping. No, we're going to pay for everything. You're going to get hard copies and I know that you'll enjoy them. That's that's uh, true marketing right there. You know, it's the real marketing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, exactly. Uh, I still have a, I still have a copy of your book for you. Can't, I, I can't remember if it was three or four years ago. What but... state was that in? I'll tell you. It was it was Philadelphia. Ah, that was our last one before COVID, February of twenty. 
Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I still got the picture and everything. So I appreciate you. Um, I got another question. So it says you control uh, 60 to 80 mil of real estate with your wicked smart community with little to no money and not signing, signing loans. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so the students go out and do the same thing we do. You know, any a high of 25, low of maybe 10 properties a month are going on a contract with the students. Nothing to do with our, our family properties. And so we had a room full uh, the last live event. And we said, okay, we stand up, where's the deal? Okay. So there's like 60 or 80 million there controlled by that room. And then we, we started having them sit down if they put deposits down. The entire room, nobody put more than a $2,500 deposit. And that was because they did some owner financing. It was a special deal. You know, usually it's... 10 to $100 per deal. And I said earlier, and I never answered it. People ask, well, how do you convince? You don't convince any seller to do anything. You look to see if you can solve a problem in the case of stress or help them accomplish a goal in the case of free and clear that they otherwise couldn't accomplish in this market. Example, got a student yesterday. He's in New Jersey, not far from me, not far from you if you're still in that area. And the seller said, I heard the phone call because I critique phone calls to help. He said to my student, Look, I love the house, $3.7 million condo in, in New York, free and clear. I loved it, but I'm a COVID transplant. I'm in Miami. I'm in no hurry for my equity. Yes, I'll do owner financing. Yes, I can go as far as 10 years. One phone call. This is what's happening right now. He loved his house. He left because of COVID. Yeah, do something for me. I, he doesn't want to hold on to that. It's almost a $4 million property. So again, I could go on and on with stories of timing, but it's amazing right now. Thank, thank you for sharing that, Chris. Um... So the best, the best next step is to get the book. Would you say that's fair or should we go to Yeah, I, I just hate when people have to wait, okay? So we'll ship that, give it a few weeks. It comes out of our office here in Rhode Island. But in the meantime, what can you do? You can go on YouTube. There's literally, like I said, 150, maybe it's more now, of the deals where we go on a whiteboard and we show, like you saw in Philly, we show the three paydays and how it works and why we did it and how we did it. Um, and you can also go through a free master's class. I think you have that link. If, I'll give it to you if you need it. And it's me. If you can deal with me for an hour, you get me for an hour and I'll go through like you start in Philly, the whole class, you know? Okay, perfect. Thank you for sharing that. So, uh, I want to wrap things up and I got a, a couple questions that I generally like to ask. Sure. The, the first question that I want to ask you is how can someone bring immediate value to you or your business? Um, you know, if they if they enjoyed a, a YouTube video, actually just said that, or they enjoy the book, then let people know. That's all. Like like I do that. If I if I love my interview with, with Jerome, I'm spreading the word. It was a cool interview. Okay. Like you might as well be a connector and, and help other people and spread good news. There's too much crap out there that's negative. That's all. Thank you. How, next question is very similar. How can someone add long term value to you or your business? Uh, well, that would be someone that. If, if they fit, if they sort of fit our avatar and they want to uh, join the associate program, that's a long-term relationship. We're in business together for several years. And if, and if you want to do more after that, because there's only so many deals you, you, you do with us when you join. Many people say, I don't want to leave now. It's like family. I want to stick around. Well, come join the Wicked Smart community. It's a blast. And it's a very unique community. Thank you. Chris, uh, if there was... Let me see. Uh, I want books, right? Three. Give us three books you recommend to the audience and why. Okay, these change for me every six months, right? Depending on where I am, doesn't mean I'll hit them with the right things. But I, I like. I forget the title, but I love Michael Dell's new book. Um, I read it several months ago on vacation. It's his brand new book. Like he talks about COVID and post COVID. 
Um, I love uh, Behind the Arches still to this day, the McDonald's story that then became a movie. I think it's Behind the Arches. And the reason is it's not just about business and it's not just about real estate. It's about the grit and the, and the grind it takes and all the challenges he had. And that's reality in business. So I love that one. And then I love the, the hard things about the hard things, I think is the title of that one. They're all just reality, sort of in your face, straight to the point books. And that's kind of my style. So it doesn't mean it's going to hit everybody. It's just my style. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I had a guest before. Her name's Dewan. You might know Dewan. And she's like, you get to say one word. You can't say a whole phrase. So that's what I'm going to pose to you. She's like, uh, leave us with one closing word. It can't be a sentence. It can't have an explanation. Nothing. Just one word. Persistence. Persistence. All right. And I, rev I modify her thing. And now I want the definition. Um, never, 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 or never give up. Okay. Never give Simple. up. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you. This has been a blast. I got to let you go. We've been here for about 35 minutes. Um, I appreciate you so much and thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to interviewing Nick next, right? Ah, that's sweet. Okay. And we'll have, uh, I'll grab all those links. We'll put everything in the show notes for you and I'll let you know when everything streams out. Thank you so much, Chris, for being awesome on our podcast. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.